Welcome back for some more Behind the Pouch supported by abiggerlife.com. We hope you're well and are ready for some more Ostomy Talk. So a very warm welcome to you from wherever you happen to be listening from today. You're joined as usual by me, Shona, from a slightly cloudy Belfast, which isn't too bad for us by our usual standards. Mm-hmm. And me, Lou, down here near Dublin. Hi, Shona. Um, so it's been great to hear from Keith, MJ and Claire over the last couple of weeks. And we've got another really exciting guest coming up for you shortly. Before we dive in, though, I just want to reflect back on what we've learned so far and our behind the pouch journey, as I feel there's just been so much to take in only after just a few episodes on the podcast. We keep saying that everyone's awesome journey is so unique, and that is so true. You know, you can see the diversity in their experiences in life, you know, in the before the stoma journey, their anxiety of undergoing this life changing surgery. And we've discussed about how it's taken different lengths of time to transition to the new life with a stoma, um, to their management of their bags, as well as, you know, complications that may have arisen for some as a result of the surgical procedure. However, what rings true with each of our guests, you know, they've used their stoma to take back control of their lives. It has allowed them to do things that they loved to do before these bowel issues had derived. So in some cases, it's even allowed people to take on new challenges. And I just find this lovely, you know, so many positive stories and they've acquired new leases of life into experiences. Uh, For example, painting famous murals on the walls there in Sydney, starting to blog, which people may have never even thought about doing something, you know, before, and even just sharing their story to benefit others. So I've just really enjoyed the journey so far. So thanks to everybody. Absolutely. We really do hope that these stories can help fellow ostomates those considering stoma surgery or just give a little bit of insight to all of those listening as to what everyday life is like as an ostomate. Remember to check out the community at abiggerlife.com where there's much more support available and don't be afraid to reach out to your local stoma care nurse even now during these very uncertain times which we're all living through. Okay so without further ado please do join us as we go behind the pouch. So our guest today joins us from Tampere in the south of Finland, which uh, Wikipedia reliably informs me that amongst other things, uh, ranks 26 out of the 446 cities in the list of the world's most hipster cities. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So back to our guest, though, as like many other ostomates, she has her own unique story to where she is today. And this is especially true of our guest, as we hear from her shortly. Um, She has undergone stoma surgery twice in her relatively modest 21 years. Um, She's been very vocal in speaking about her experience as an ostomate on topics such as anxiety and relationships, as well as highlighting the value of online ostomate communications in helping her as well as helping others. She's also recently enrolled at nursing school in Finland and is currently in the first year of her studies. So we'd love to hear more about that. Um, We wish a warm welcome today to our guest, Elisa Kuvesto. Welcome, Elisa. Thanks for having me. Lovely, Elisa. Welcome to Behind the Pouch. It is lovely to have you with us here today. And I have to just tell you, Elisa, that as a fellow Wastamit, I find your story particularly moving and very, very poignant. So if we could just begin by, could you tell us just a little bit more about how you came to have your first stoma at the age of five? 
Um, I was actually in a bus accident. I got um, hit or sort of ran over by the back wheel of the bus. I was, um, it was the rush hour in 2004 uh, around the winter time and we were getting out of the bus and I, because it, because it was winter, I slipped under the bus and got a lot of injuries on my lower body and my torso. And in that accident, my colon sort of went all over the place and they had to do an emergency colostomy for me. And I had that for around 18 months. And after that, it was reversed. Mm-hmm. But then 15 years later, I had to have my current stoma, my uh-huh. permanent one. And how did that how did that come about? How did the permanent stoma come about? Well, um, around 2017, I became to feel very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I had food poisoning or what, but after that, I was diagnosed with IBS, mm-hmm. mixed type irritable bowel syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't even eat without crying in pain. And it went to the point of me not being able to go to school. And I had to move back to my mom's house in 2018. Mm-hmm. And I went to see a dietitian, a gastroenterologist. How do you say that? Yes, absolutely. Good idea. Yeah. And she, the doctor, didn't want to do a colonoscopy on me because of my previous injury. But um, she said that I might have an adhesion in my stomach, like scar tissue from the previous stoma. And we were just managing my condition with diets, but it didn't really work. And I was in too much pain all the time. So in the end of 2018, I asked uh, my hospital and the stoma nurse if I could actually just get my stoma back. And they said yes. And in the stoma surgery, they found the adhesion that was causing me pain. But Mm -hmm. It was kind of like a combination of the adhesion and IBS. Because of the IBS, I was going to the bathroom like 15 times a day. And then that was really painful because of everything that was going on inside of me. So it was very overwhelming mentally and kind of restricting my life. So I wanted to have my life back, essentially. Uh That's it. So uh, how did you how did you decide that the stoma surgery was the right thing for you? You know, did you did you seek advice? Did you ask other ostomates? How did you actually make that that very important decision? Um, they had discussed the option like they brought up stoma surgery earlier for me. The surgeon said that it's a possibility. And I said, definitely, no, like, I just didn't want to have this huge change in my body image at such a young age. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. then after a few months of just pain and agony, I went to YouTube and looked at videos of young people going about their life and going to, actually, there's this one YouTuber called Maggie from Let's Talk IBD. And she's a nurse and she, I think she has an ileostomy. So mm-hmm. her story really proved the quality of life for me. 
Yes, and that, mm-hmm. after that I made the call and it was around December 2018 when I had the first call with the hospital and then I had a consultation in uh, about a month later and then two months after that uh, in 2019 I got my stoma. So it was a very quick decision yeah. for me over just a couple of months just searching YouTube and Facebook groups. Yeah. And Alyssa, did did having, you know, obviously you were very young when you had the first stoma. Did you have any memories of that which helped you make the decision the second time around to have your stoma? Actually, I was in a medically induced coma for two weeks after mm-hmm. my accident. And then I spent four weeks in the children's hospital. Mm-hmm. So the first, I, I had no memory of the fresh stoma being just yeah. right out of surgery. Mm-hmm. But I have a couple of memories of back changes. I was so young, uh, my mom took care of my stoma back then. Yeah, of course. So I don't really remember the logistics and like what it's actually like to do yeah. stoma care. Mm-hmm. But I remember um, touching my stoma. Mm-hmm. And... I also remember telling someone in daycare that I have seen my insides and they right. didn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm then sure. uh, once my back leaked during the night and it was sort of a hassle and yeah. I was in a bit of pain. But uh-huh. then my mom was very, very good at taking care of me. And um, just me knowing that I could have my mother there for me. Uh-huh made it possible for me to have this surgery again yeah mm-hmm. so yeah so I know what you mean so it, although you'd had the stoma before the memories really weren't really there so it, it didn't really have maybe as big an impact on your second decision as it could have had if you'd have been that bit older yeah no I, I just remember that um, I was able to go around we traveled a lot after my recovery or during my recovery just around Finland seeing all the people that I wasn't able to meet up with when I was in the hospital mm-hmm. and when I look back to at like photographs and videos from those trips I realized that oh my god I was an ostomate yeah. uh, so I don't really have memories of doing stoma care during those trips but yeah. it made me realize that it's possible to live a good life with a stoma because mm-hmm. I already did that. Yes, exactly, because you, you did do that, as you say, back when you were so young. So so the stoma surgery then happened for you in, what, it was December, the second stoma surgery, sorry, in December 2019, was it? Uh, no, I made, the dis- I made the de- decision to get the stoma in December 2018, but I got the surgery two months later. In February, February 2019, very good. That is amazing. Do you know, it happened really quickly and you seem like you've researched so well and even mentioning that lovely, you know, name of Maggie that you kind of had felt was your rock of support to help you make that decision. Do you feel that she had such a big impact, you know, on you? Um, you know, I look at you now and read so much about you that you started your own, you know, you're going to become a nurse too. You know, did Maggie inspire you that much? Did you always want to have a, you know, a foot on the nursing ladder or did that and did Maggie impact you that much? Yeah, seeing Maggie's videos really inspired me in a way. But um, I think I 
I never thought that I was going to be a nurse. I actually mm-hmm. come from sort of an artsy family. Nice. I have a family member who is a midwife or was a midwife. <laughs> But yeah. I was always sort of grossed out by the stories that <laughs> I heard or like, well, not like, not like into detail, but just like, oh, had a rough night in the, uh-huh. in the NICU. Uh, but then yeah. after seeing what the community, the ostomy community can provide for patients, I realized yeah. that I want to be a part of that. But I also want to be a part of the other side uh, wow. being in the hospital, like being able to help someone right from the beginning not Lucky just through enough, facebook really. but face to face and like i know so much yeah. about products and yeah. i have my own experiences of being a child and an adult with an ostomy um i just yeah. think that i have a lot to offer because i understand many aspects of it god you surely do you know from pediatrics thinking back to the life of a child and a mom experiencing you know a stoma from early on the childhood drama all the way up until being an ostomate and now being a nurse so super you the patients will be very very lucky to have you on board but can you remember back to you know the first day that you you know awoke up and after surgery uh post-op with your new stoma back in february how did you feel when you woke up can you remember and explain to us you know about that day um, I remember waking up and the first thing I asked was, do I have my belly button? Because uh, <laughs> they weren't sure if they were going to do open surgery or laparoscopic yeah. with the smaller wounds. Uh, they were able to do the laparoscopic keyhole surgery. And I was so glad because, uh, I don't know, I just had me blurring from anesthesia. I just had this fear of uh, getting a stoma and losing my belly button belly even though button. that's so irrelevant but it really mm. sums up the experience of being high on medication and emotional <laughs> yeah um, the first few days were an emotional roller coaster I cried a mm. lot so much mm. uh, but I also was very happy because I didn't need to go to the bathroom constantly and I was just able to sort of roll out of bed and see the doctor doing her morning rounds. I didn't need to panic and sit on the toilet and mm. wonder when she's going to come over. Or I was I was told that a psychiatric nurse is going to visit me because I asked for emotional support. I was going through so much. And, oh and to be able to just eat breakfast and sort of hang around the room instead of running to the bathroom fearing that someone is going to come to the other side of the door was amazing and I remember posting a lot of uh, very weird Instagram stories about like Imodium commercials that I saw on TV and I was like I'm not going to need those (laughs) diarrhea (laughs) medications anymore stuff like that yeah and, so it was kind of yeah. happy as well. You felt, I think, a little bit of release by that. Oh, I don't have that anxiety. I'm not planning around, you know, my runs to the toilet. So there was a little bit of relief in that, was there, even in the early days? Definitely. And I got home from the hospital around a week after. I went home for one night, but had to go back because of pain. Mm. Um, and I had home health visit me. I had some granulomas. Uh, extra tissue around my stoma so they took care of that and 
they were coming over around nine in the morning and to be able to just get up, go and shower and wait and not have to run to the bathroom again was very good. It was um, the whole first two weeks was just ups and downs of emotions. And I remember being super happy about being able to eat mud cake with my grandma without pain. Just like very small things brought me so much joy. Joy. So it was mixed emotions, even the, you know, early tears. It's probably relief as well as, you know, I suppose the fear as well. The management of, you know, the bag on a day to day, for example, you took this on board. You said you dealt with the granulomas. You had the good care coming into the home. You know, did you take on board, you know, a bag change easily or did you work yourself up with worry? Was it a big thing for you? I was able to do a bag change or I wear two piece system. So I was able to do a whole wafer uh, or base blade, however you want to call that, um, and bag change in the hospital before I went home. And that was sort of like a, I have to do that in order to go home in my own mind. Um, And when the home health nurses visited, I always did my own changes when they did the granuloma treatment. I Mm. actually asked them to leave and put on a YouTube video, listened to that and did the change alone in my room in front of a mirror um, because I just felt like I need to get it sorted to be able to go out and about. And I actually did that. Like I did go to a different town and went out to eat sushi um, pretty soon after my surgery. Well done. Well done. So, you know, it feels like that you even had support online, you know, from YouTube, you know, early on, even changing a bag. So that's just one I've never heard before, you know, that you actually related to, you know, online YouTube for the likes of that, which is really, really interesting. Um, Good to share. Maybe others have as well. Um, So that sounds like you just transitioned really quickly. You got on with it. You got out. You got, you know, your diet back on track. I hear that you've named your stoma so stevie the stoma is that uh, what was your reason for calling him stevie uh actually i had this drawing that i found when i moved back to my mom's house before my surgery i lived with my mom uh for eight months after uh-huh. and before and after my surgery i was there for a few months and when i was packing i found an old doodle that a friend made back in 2013 And that was a picture of a kangaroo called Steven and the baby kangaroo, a joey, is that how you call it? Uh, Yeah, a joey. In the pouch and the baby kangaroo was called Stevie. And I figured that I have the pouch. So your little baby in there. (laughs) Yeah, the creature inside the pouch must be called Stevie. But then I learned that That's a lot sweet. of people call their stoma Stevie because it, it just sounds good. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. And I like your little story behind it as well. So that's cute. Aww. Happy days. No, you're amazing. I love your little story there. Yes. So just moving forward then, Alyssa, to, to life now. So how is life now? You're, you know, you're more than a year on past your your surgery for your permanent stoma how are things now for Alyssa? Very good 
uh, I live with my boyfriend now mm-hmm. and I'm studying, even though studying is a bit difficult with the whole pandemic going on. We have online yeah. school and I'm not the biggest fan of that. Mm-hmm. But I just finished my first semester about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I do have a little bit of summer courses going on. And um, I haven't experienced leaks or major skin issues. I find managing the bag pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I sometimes do have anxiety about the stoma noise. Even yep. before starting this podcast, I said that I'm afraid that my yep. CV is going to make some noise. But mm-hmm. uh, the it's difficult, isn't it? How do you deal with it? You know, um, I've <laughs> I've experienced it myself. I have to admit. Um, but how do you how do you deal with that? So you know, whenever you feel that, that it's coming on, that it's going to be noisy or it starts getting noisy, what do you do? Well, I manage it with diet because of my IBS or food triggers. I don't eat garlic or onion. Mm-hmm and food like that but also I always carry around a scarf or a cardigan or mm-hmm. something or even just cover it with my hand yeah uh, during the winter it's a lot easier when people have beanies and mittens and everything so when I'm in a restaurant I just have a, an item of clothing on my lap and sort of press it against my stoma to muffle yes. it because uh, mine is a colostomy and mm-hmm. it is um, I have a lot of my bowel there so yeah. the noises sound like real farts sometimes so I I really do yeah. feel like I need to cover it up just to yeah. avoid any confusion but pretty much everyone in my life knows that I have an ostomy so if yeah. something happens it's not a big deal. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't know about you, Alyssa, but I find myself talking very loudly if it um, starts to, <laughs> to make noises to try and cover it up. And then I cover it up with my hand to try and muffle the noises. So I, I feel your pain there. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about the ostomy community in Finland. What's it like? We have a Facebook group and I believe the last time I checked, we had around 600, um, I almost said 1,000, but yeah, 600 members. Uh And I don't even know how many ostomates are out there, but there are a few, like a handful of people that are really active. Mm -hmm. And then um, some people work with different ostomy companies and do blogs or videos for them. Uh, and sort of spread awareness that way. Uh, We do celebrate or have events during the Ostomy Day in October Uh and we have monthly meetings in the bigger towns or cities but during the pandemic it's not not really going on so we have online support meetings. Uh We have an Ostomy organization or association called Finnilgo Uh So they do a lot of advocacy and information online and Uh in person as well, of course, when it's possible. Yeah, very good. Very good. And and do you do you get a lot out of that? Do you find uh, that you find you do you get a lot of support from that? Uh, The Facebook group was my first emergency line of 
information and support right after my surgery. Mm -hmm. And even my ostomy nurse recommended that I go there, but I was already a member. Yeah. And um, well, I met a couple of friends through that Facebook group and like some ostomists around my age who live in my area. Uh And it's nice to be able to sort of well, obviously talk about ostomies, but then just to be able to go out and do something and have the other person there sort of like, yo, I need to go and do a back change and they mm-hmm. are not going to be weirded out by it or anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. And, you know, Alyssa, you, you've spoken before about, you know, pursuing relationships, Um you know, since your surgery, how how has that how has that been? Obviously, you're incredibly open, but just talk us through the process there that that you've been through. Um, as like dating or new friendships. Uh, dating. Yeah. Um. Well, I actually started dating my boyfriend a couple of months after my surgery, mm-hmm. and he was well. The ostomy was just a part of me. Nothing no issues there. Mm -hmm. I had met met him earlier, but then we reconnected. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I don't really have any experiences about like going on lots of dates. It was Mm -hmm. just sort of we got together and that's it. But I, I think a good way of dealing with it is being honest, but also Mm -hmm. understanding that the other person could get a little bit dizzy when you talk about your intestine (laughs) yeah Uh, but my boyfriend has has seen my stoma and we went on holiday a couple of months after my surgery and I ended up in the hospital we were in Berlin and I had to go to urgent care because I had a partial blockage or so I thought I was just not passing any output because I was eating different types of foods and he was there with me mm-hmm. and it's a funny story now but back then I was kind of embarrassed or yeah even though he had seen my stoma before that or and like seen the bag back change process and stuff like that it was just still like uh, I, I sort of thought that I was fixed already and mm-hmm. I don't need to go back to the hospital so when I needed to go back to the hospital it was difficult to deal with in that moment but right now I, I just think it's a kind of a funny story like yeah you went, when you went on holiday and you ended up with a catheter <laughs> in your stomach yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely and what you know how soon into the relationship you know did you feel at ease speaking to him about your situation right away because I was good still on my sick leave or mm-hmm how do you say it the doctor yeah. gives you a note and you uh, you yeah. are supposed to be resting well yes. I we and you were dating <laughs> yeah no I I went to visit him Very like good. during the last weekend of my sick leave and yeah. I was it was the first time I ever went far away from home with my stoma okay. so obviously I needed to share like my nervousness somehow 
Yeah. Yeah. And you, you felt good enough to go there. He was obviously very much so worth it. So you did good there, Alyssa. I like it. <laughs> and he seems yeah. like a great support to end up away on holidays and to, you know, obviously have your little funny story to look back on and think that your your little trip away ended up having a, a little stop off at the hospital. But he was there through thick and thin. And that means an awful lot, doesn't it now? So it's lovely to to have him there. Um, I feel I kind of stepped over an area that I didn't really I know we talked about support and Facebook support but I never really asked about your kind of stomach care nurse support and I know you've mentioned them a couple of times which is great but you know in the kind of initial post-op stage you took on board you know your your stoma and how you can look after it but we didn't kind of ask about the support that was there for you you know I know you have the family and you have himself and friends but how was the stoma care support at you know the hospital or in your area at home? Uh, we have at least two, well, they're part of the same hospital, but like two hospital campus, campuses or areas uh, that uh-huh. provide stoma care. And I was in the smaller hospital yeah. in, in my area and they were a very tight or small community of healthcare providers and the information and communication worked well between my surgeon and the stoma nurse and the nurses in the in the ward and I also felt like I had support because I was able to call my stoma nurse whenever I had a problem obviously during office hours but uh, my nurse Mm -hmm. was very good at um, getting back to me and I visited I visited my nurse a couple of times or a few times after my surgery because I had some weird stuff going on like the granulomas <laughs> and then my stoma started to twist and move in a funny way and I was weirded out by that as well but it ended up being fine and uh, my stoma nurse is actually sort of taking care of the booking of the surgeries as well so I was Great. able to that's that's why my process was so fast well done that's great to hear that you have that support and god forbid if you had a problem in the morning would you you know be able to do the same and just pick up the phone you feel you know very much supported that way sorry what do you mean in the morning oh you know if you had a problem today would you feel that you have the you know ability to contact somebody yeah for sure and also um being able to just contact people on facebook even though it's not the same as a healthcare provider. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. we do have some ostomates there that are nurses. But anyway, it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to ask someone is always good. That is great. Happy out. No, it sounds like you've, you know, done an amazing job there. And then the life ahead of you to continue your own career in nursing. That's just really, really lovely to hear. And I think, you know, you embracing being an ostomate as a nurse is just, you know, an exciting journey ahead. Yeah, I think you'll you'll bring an awful lot to that role, Alyssa, because of your experiences. And um, yeah, I wish you the very best of luck with that in your nursing career. But just before we finish up, Um, I've got a question which we like to ask everybody who we speak to on the podcast. And it is a question really about about being an established ostomate. You've been an ostomate now for over a year. So if you had a time machine and you were able to go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice. So go back to just before your surgery. What piece of advice would you give yourself? What do you wish 
you had known then that you know now? Mm, well, uh, I wish that Alisa back in December 2018 knew that the first few, few weeks are going to be rough mm -hmm. and then it's going to get better. I was so caught up in the idea of um, the life after the surgery and I didn't really focus on the actual recovery process. Mm -hmm. So obviously it's different for everyone, but mine was, my surgery felt harder emotionally because I wasn't really prepared for the medication and all of the new information and just the overwhelming amount of uh, both fear and joy. It just felt mm -hmm. like a lot. So uh, my advice would be to just take it one day at a time. That sounds like very sensible advice. It's a real roller coaster. And you have certainly, you know, you've you've had your ups, you've had your downs, but you know, you've you've just you've just been so positive throughout it all, Alyssa. And I've just loved reading through your Instagram posts. Um, you know, and I'm sure there are so many people that are just getting so much out of that. Um, and I have really enjoyed looking at those and I've enjoyed speaking to you so much today. It has been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. And likewise, Alyssa, I think you're just fantastic. I just love your openness and you're willing to share your little communities out there. And yeah, I will continue following you and reading your stories and your, your journey along through your nursing career. And I wish you the best of luck. So thanks so much for speaking to us. It was lovely. Thank you so much for having me once again. Thank yeah. you. God bless. Wow, what a very honest and sincere chat that was with Alyssa today. What really struck me was how Alyssa responded to our question about the advice she would go back and give her pre-surgery self. That advice was to focus on her recovery more rather than expecting life to just immediately change and immediately improve. She describes this period as a roller coaster of emotions. And for me, the take home message here is during recovery, take baby steps, take one step at a time each day as it comes, rather than being overwhelmed by the bigger picture and, you know, that full piece as to what life will be like when things go back to your new normal. Yes, Shona, I totally agree. I really enjoy listening to Alyssa and her journey. And of all, I'm so proud that she's entering the nursing profession because, you know, people do need um, fantastic uh, caring nurses which have a passion for ostomy and she will be amazing. So lucky patients in the future. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, Shona. Um, so thanks again to Alyssa for sharing her really wonderful story with us. Uh, you can find more about her, Alyssa by going to her Instagram page at Stomizing, so that's at S-T-O-M-A-Z-I-N-G, where you can also find a link through to some of Alyssa's blogs too. Um, that wraps up another episode of Behind the Pouch as we continue our journey in hearing from a range of ostomates from around the world, so all the way from Finland today. Um, we hope you're enjoying the podcast and please do continue to support our endeavours by subscribing or letting us know what you think by giving us a rating or a review. Remember to check out the community also on abiggerlife.com. You can pop on here for more advice, share your experiences, and I suppose all things ostomy. You know, you can also contact us via email if you need us anytime. 
hello at abiggerlife.com. So we'd love to hear from you. So thanks for listening once again and join us soon for another installment of Behind the Bout. Bye-bye.